Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast with Drew Stevens. I'm Matt Gentile, and we're here to preview the 2022-23 NBA free agency for your Chicago Bulls. And Drew, this is always my favorite time of year. It's like Christmas Eve for me. We're, we're about to get to all of the wheeling and dealing and movement that makes the NBA so much fun. So I'm definitely pumped to talk about how the Bulls can improve their team and just talk about all the madness that that is NBA offseason and free agency. Yeah, absolutely. And just the fact that we know the track record that this new front office has, well, I guess I'm not so much new anymore, but, um, you know, what, what Acme brings to the table, along with J.J. Pope, the, the cap specialist, um, I don't think you can help but be excited with this time of year. So I'm ready to dig in. We've already got a lot of things happening as it is. Yeah, there's there's been a ton of reports flying around today. You know, we're recording this on the evening of June 29th. So if you're listening between now and right before everything kicks off at 6 p.m. Eastern time on the 30th, we apologize if there's some details that change because that's the NBA free. That's what makes it so much fun. Um, real quick, just a, a quick administrative note. I'm going to apologize if my mic sounds a little odd. I'm recording in a hotel room here in Florida. So I'm here for work, but still want to talk NBA. Drew and I coordinated this and, and I'm excited. So um, real quick, I'll, I'll just kind of, before we get into all the, the free agency talk though, I do want to talk about uh, the Bulls draft pick because last time we spoke, we previewed the draft with Chip Jones. And one guy we didn't talk about who ended up getting picked by the Bulls was Daylon Terry, the wing out of Arizona. Um, I like the pick um, for what it is. I feel like there's a lot of high upside with him. I think he could be a contributor at least right off the bat in a in a smaller role as a reserve. But curious, Drew, what your thoughts are on uh, the uh, the Terry pick? So, like you, I was I was surprised. Um, I had to do some quick Google hits on on Daylon Terry and, and talk to one of my friends who's a big Arizona Wildcat fan. But after doing that that research, I'm I'm happy with the pick. I can definitely see the vision that kind of led the front office to to picking him. Um, you know, everything that's been said about him, his length, his motor, his competitiveness, his IQ, all of that sounds great. I think he, he seems to be a better shooter than what he's given credit for. Perhaps, you know, more specifically off the catch. Um, in spot-up situations, not necessarily off the dribble, but on a team with Vucevic and DeRozan and Levine, that's that fits right into that pocket. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, for the Bulls this season, how much time he's able to get. And, um, you know, it, it it seems like a good a good swing. Um, I'd be lying if I said there isn't a part of me that, that wishes EJ Liddell was in his spot, but – like I said, I see the vision, um, and I'm 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 rolling with I'm rolling with the front office on this one. Yeah, I mean, like the one thing about the Bulls that's so interesting is with the new front office and everything, um, they've just always operated in radio silence, and so like you had no idea that this was happening. You didn't hear any speculation. I think the only person I heard bring him up, um, and shout out to the CHGO Bulls podcast, they're doing a great job over there. Uh, but Will Gottlieb. I heard him mention Dalen Terry when they were kind of previewing everything for the draft. That's the only time I really heard him. And then after the draft, kind of like you, my uncle lives out in Arizona, watches a 
ton of Arizona basketball. And he texted me right away. Great pick by the Bulls. You're going to love him. Now go get DeAndre Ayton. That was his other thing. I'm like, okay, relax. Um, but, you know, he's always supporting Arizona basketball. But um, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, the, the comment I think I've heard a lot of people make is potential insurance policy for whatever could happen with Lonzo Ball potentially. But, you know, we'll see. Like, I'm I'm cool with always taking a swing at guys with high upside. Same here. Same here. And there's always that that battle between, you know, should you go for fit or should you go for best available prospect? And they seem to have gone kind of maybe a little bit of a two-prong attack of, of, of need and, and um, potential in terms of what Terry can do in the future. I know he's not a rim protector. He's not a he's not a knockdown three-point shooter, but um, it's not like the Bulls have a, a stable of long athletic guys on the wing who can defend. So, I mean, he, he still he still gives them that at the very least. Absolutely. And to me, like, if you're the Bulls, too, you always should be looking at upgrading depth. And sometimes, you know, you, you take a swing in free agency to do that through the trade market. But I always like it when you can draft young guys that you can kind of slowly develop as reserves. And then, you know, who knows? Maybe down the road, he blossoms into something. Um, I'm trying to remember who made the this prediction. And... When I heard it, I'm like, oh, really? That that would be his ceiling. But there was somebody that predicted, it was one of the analysts said, you know, he might not ever average more than 10 points a game in his NBA career, but he might have a very long NBA career. Um, you know, for his sake, I hope that's not the case. I hope he he's a little bit better. But if he turns out to be a solid role player for you, that's always good at number 18. So, yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, and not for nothing, over at Sports Illustrated, I think the night of the draft, after the draft was was over, he was actually one of five players who one of the writers at Sports Illustrated pegged as a steal of the draft. So, I mean, he's, he's um even though he may not have been talked about in high regard or just with any kind of frequency within Bulls Nation, like he's somebody that does kind of have a name nationally. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, too, that I, I appreciated, you heard in that press conference, you could tell he's hungry. Like, this is somebody that wants to work, wants to get better. And I always think those guys that have that chip on their shoulder when they enter the league, they tend to at least have, at the very least, they're going to be a, a solid role player that will continue to make, you know, incremental improvements every year. And that, that always bodes well. Um, you know, he, I know a lot, of, a lot of Bulls fans are really happy after that press conference, because there was a lot of great sound bites. You know, the reason he picked number 25 was for Steve Kern and Veggie Wilson, right? So it's just like, he's definitely making the fan base happy there. Um, so, you know, kind of speaking about that that press conference, we know Matur's uh, Karnashova spoke um, and mentioned to uh, Casey Johnson had probed him about Zach Levine and what he said about Zach Levine is that, you know, we're, we're, we're looking forward to when free agency starts. Definitely does not want to get hit for tampering this time around. Um, so he definitely um, made it sound like that they're going to get to the negotiation table. And that report from Woj comes out yesterday that Zach Levine and his representatives, representatives at Clutch Sports are going to meet with the Bulls and most likely hammer out a contract right away when free agency starts. I know that made me super pumped for the start of free agency. 
I hope it stops all the nonsense that's been going on with Zach looking at every team getting wine and dine. But as we've seen from the Jake Fisher report a few weeks ago, the Mark Stein report, um, it's starting to look like Zach Levine's coming back, and that's great news if you're if you're a Bulls fan right now. It, it absolutely is. I mean, at the end of the day, this is the best kind of option for each party involved. Zach gets his money. Um, he gets a, a extra year, you know, for somebody who's just had a, a knee scare. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine uh, him not taking that into consideration moving forward. And then with the Bulls, I mean, how much better were they going to get if they let Zach Levine walk or fooled around and didn't offer him the full five-year max? Um, it's not like they could have given that slot of money, that amount of money to somebody else. They wouldn't have had as much money to work with. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's the best thing for both parties involved and looking forward to him officially signing on a dotted line and, and seeing what other chips fall coming up. Well, and like, if you look at, at the way this roster is being built, you're in that win now, win now window. Right, so you have to bring back one of your all-stars, right? Like you have to, in order to make this work, Zach Levine's gotta be a part of it. Um, you can always make those changes down the road and add other superstars, make changes around the, the margins, but Zach Levine has to be a part of it one way or the other. You know, like he's gotta be one of the pieces you build with and around. And the other thing too, if you didn't do this and you decide to play cheap, and we can get into like the, you know, going over the cap, scenarios and whatnot luxury tax but if you didn't bring zach back at the max um the rest of the league would take notice and you've done so much to repair your reputation last off season i think with the boots trade too to repair that image and i think if they had you know screwed around with zach levine it it could have put a black eye on you know all the all the goodwill that they've started to get around the league Oh yeah, that's that's a great point, Matt. That's a great point, I, and I think that we've seen um, Zach's popularity within that brotherhood of players in the NBA kind of rise in the same manner that his star has kind of risen. So I, I think that really would have set them back um, if they were to play a cheap with him. And, and by all accounts, they don't seem to be you know even entertaining that idea. So you know, God bless them for that. Absolutely, and. And, you know, again, like, you have the ability to pay that player and still make some moves. So let me let me kind of set the stage here for our listeners on, on the cap situation. So right now the cap, well, it was projected at $122 million, but we've seen reports come out today. Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report had put this out, that the cap could go up 10% of that $122 million projection. That's pretty significant. That's $12 million more. So, I mean, it could be closer to 134 by the end of the day. Um, now, the Bulls, like a lot of teams right now in the league, are an over-the-cap team. They're operating over the cap. Um, they do have the ability to give out a $10.3 million non-taxpayer mid-level exception. And they do have the $5 million trade exception, as you pointed out this morning to me, um, from the Daniel Tice deal. And that's good until July 7th. Um, they don't have the $4 million biannual, okay? So the biannual exception was given to Tristan Thompson when he signed last year. So they will not have that for the 2023 season. Um, I love going through all these real quick, Drew, because I feel like in the NBA, to understand certain cap scenarios, you need an accounting degree, or at least an accounting minor. 
Um, so I, I don't know, like sometimes when you do some of this stuff, it's like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think it's only been within maybe the last year that I've even known what a biannual exception was, or even remember hearing about trade exceptions or mid-level exceptions. I don't remember um, fan bases or anybody outside of them, even the media themselves. I don't remember hearing hearing them talk about that much in you know the '90s or maybe the early 2000s. So it, it maybe it speaks to um, the IQ of the, of the average fan or just kind of the, how the nuts and bolts of, of how things work has gotten more popular. Yeah, they started making things more readily available in terms of how you would consume like the CBA. Like you really couldn't get any of those details. And then um, I remember there was, what's his name? Um, he used to be on ESPN, but there was a capologist that they had brought on in like the late, you know, early aughts, early 2010s, who would give like a full breakdown of the salary cap. And I think that kind of brought all of this to NBA fans attention. And I think it's it's helped. It, it It's kind of cool. Like, you know, you, you see these certain rules you have and the NBA does give you wiggle room. If you're operating as a team that's over the cap, there's ways you can work around it. Like we learned last summer, signing trades definitely help you work around your cap situations. You have to give up assets, but you can get players back at a higher price. And then, you know, you have these exceptions built in. Um, you know, like this year with the mid-level exception, it's going to allow you to sign somebody for $10 million a year, even though you're technically over the salary cap. So it gives you that wiggle room to still improve your team, which is nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm still um, kind of expanding my knowledge of things, too, but um, it's good to kind of have a base, <laughs> base layer yeah. of understanding. Well, and, you know, it, it was funny and to kind of let the listeners in, like, we were talking offline, like, the tough thing to do, and I think everybody does this when we're looking at like projections, it's hard to know what guys are gonna make. You know, like we can assume, okay, this guy's gonna probably take the mid-level exception, this veteran, because he wants to go to a competitive team. But sometimes teams throw out a ridiculous contract and those guys say, well, you know what? I can also get paid maybe 18, $20 million a year and be on a fringe level team that could make the playoffs and maybe I make them better. and." You know, the next time around, take my swing and get a bigger, bigger deal. So, you know, it's like it's sometimes hard to predict too who's who's willing to take those mid-level exceptions. But typically, it's those veterans that you know want to compete for for a title that, that end up doing that. Um, so yeah, let's. I wanted to actually do this. This would be, I think, a fun exercise. So, with that mid-level exception kind of being the most realistic option, I figure we can look at through some of the guys that we would maybe peg for for using that mid-level exception on. So let me ask you this. Um, with the mid-level exception, would you want the Bulls to use it on a big man or use it on somebody who could be a sharpshooter from distance? Like, which would you rather use that money, money for if you're the Bulls? Given who is currently available as we... As we take this right now, I would say I would want them to use it on a on a big man. Um, and if we're gonna get right down into it, I think that big man, um, who I would give, who I would be easier uh, seeing get the get the brunt of that MLE is is probably Isaiah um, Hardenstein, somebody whose name is buzzing like heavily throughout the Twitter sphere and. 
uh, just general NBA talk. Um, he's coming off a great season. I think he gives the Bulls a terrific backup option to Vucevic. Um, you know, Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago brought up a, a great point in that if you if the Bulls were able to get him, you know, you don't lose a ton uh, in terms of what Vucevic does on the court um, with bringing in Hardenstein. If he would if he would have backed Vucevic, um, him coming in and, and spotting Vucevic a minute still gives you some of those same things that Vooch brings to the floor. So um, I still don't know because of the way the team is constructed in a way that we know that they still, they still need some shooters. I still would be a little hesitant to give them the entire MLE, but between him and another guy, I'm certainly going to talk about Mo Bamba. I yeah. think I'd be more willing to, to see the bulls kind of give him the bulk of that. What do you, what do you think about, I know those kind of are the two names that have been mentioned a lot in terms of the big guys. Is there, there, one of those two um, stick out to you more. And in terms of the MLE, are you yeah. comfortable giving one of them that full MLE opposes to the other or? Mm, I'll be honest. I'm comfortable giving Mo Bamba that. Um, and, you know, again, like, is Mo Bamba, is some team going to throw an insane amount of money at Mo Bamba? So for our listeners, um, he was not extended a qualifying offer by Orlando. So he's entering free agency unrestricted. Um, so, you know, the thing with Mo Bamba, like, I know it, he's always been kind of controversial amongst Bulls fans. I mean, if you listen to C Red Fred, you know that. Shout out to, to Fred. He's been on this podcast plenty of times. Um, but, you know, I gotta say, for what he's grown into, he's become a solid player and, you know, somebody that you can trust defensively. Um, he's developed a much more reliable three-point shot. So, now saying lockdown three-point shooter, um, I mean you're getting some three-point shooting and depth at a, at the big man spot. So like it's kind of knocking you know best of both worlds. I think I'd be comfortable giving him that mid-level exception if he's willing to take it. Um, you know I, I just wonder like is another team going to get a little crazy and just say you know what screw it let's throw him a, a boatload of cash have him join our team and you know then. Yeah, I, I think I'd be more comfortable with that. And with Hartenstein, uh, I like him. Um, but I've been reading that people think he's going to get a big payday. So I'm like, I'm not sure if it's realistic and if maybe I'm more inclined to get Mo Obama because there, there's maybe a, a better shot to to use my MOE on him. No, I get that. I get that. And I think I'm guilty of this too, but there are no perfect scenarios. And I think sometimes we might be overthinking these things. Like at the very least, these free agents or anybody who Acme ends up trading for, they just need to be better than Troy Bradley and Derrick Jones Jr. and um, Tyler Cook and Alizé Johnson. They need to be upgrades from what the Bulls had last season. They don't necessarily have to be superstars or perfect players. Um, another center that was brought up was Mitchell Robinson. And he, uh, from the reports that I've, I've been reading recently, he might command an even higher salary than Hardenstein, it seems like. So maybe he's even further off the table for the Bulls than, than Isaiah. Yeah, with, with Mitchell Robinson, it's interesting because, um, you know, I, I read the, the John Hollinger piece where he uses his, his boards, um, you know, 
equation. I feel like John Hollinger has got like 50 different metrics and like, you know, things he comes up with, you know. Um, but he looked at Mitchell Robinson. He's projecting about 18, 19 million a year. Um, so I feel like if the Bulls are in on Mitchell Robinson, and that's been a name that's been floating around the last couple of weeks, I mean, that's probably going to have to be done via sign and trade. And, um, you know, when you're doing these, sometimes you can pull it off by making kind of very easy moves that maybe don't cost you a ton of assets. But, um, yeah, I, I'd be interesting to, it'd be interesting to see, like, what would move in that? Is that like something where Vooch moves in that deal? Or I'm kind of curious what, what they would do. But um, Mitchell Robinson intrigues me. I, I definitely think, like, you know, you're definitely getting some – you're getting some defensive prowess. You're getting a guy that I think is very efficient. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm intrigued, but I would hope there's maybe, like, a supplementary move to help improve other areas on the team. Because I, I do think in that case, you know, as much as Booch gets knocked around by Bulls fans, this is a lot these days, I, I do think he does add value that, um, you know, you can't, you can't under, underrate, especially offensively. So, like, that would be my only concern if, if you go after a guy like Mitchell Robinson. Like, is there a corresponding move you can make, or have you used up too much of your money at that point? Yeah, and I know, um, was it a report earlier this month, I think, that was, you know, claimed that the Bulls were looking at bringing Mitchell Robinson in, uh, Robinson in to play alongside Vucevic. So, I don't I don't know. I don't know if they would, if they would sign and trade in terms of um, – a package to lead to Vooch leaving town or, or what exactly that would look like, or if maybe the wording is a little bit off because the, the pairing of, of Vooch and Mitchell Robinson sounds a little bit wonky, like if they were to share time on the court together. But if Robinson was okay with coming off the bench and he was, for the most part, backing up Vucevic, I could definitely see that. Yeah, and, like, that, that's what I wonder is, are they kind of thinking of it more like a staggered lineup where, you know, you're starting the games with, with Patrick Williams and then based on matchup, you know, do you close out a couple of games where Mitchell Robinson's on the floor with Booch or Mitchell Robinson's on the floor with Patrick Williams? Like, that's the thing. Like, you know, in the NBA, sometimes it's, it's not who starts the game, it's who finishes it. Um, so, you know, maybe that's what they're thinking is scenarios where they could stagger the lineup. So, you know, I, it, it is a little different. I don't want to compare Mitchell Robinson to Tristan Thompson. But remember when they tried that experiment with Luch and Tristan Thompson on the floor at the same time? That was like, I felt like I was in a fucking horror movie watching that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I commend Billy for, for not being afraid to try different things. But, yeah, that was something that, you know, ended up kind of backfiring. I thought that that pairing – there was one game against Memphis um, after the Bulls had acquired Thompson where I thought the two of Vucevic and, and Thompson together could have played longer or Donovan could have, have saw how that went a little bit more, but he ended up switching back. Um, but other than that, yeah, man, I'm, I'm not – I'm kind of glad that we move – we're going to be moving away from, from those two on the court together for sure. Yeah, that it, like I said, it was a horror movie level. Um, the one, there's another name I know a lot of Bulls fans have floated around for a bit level exception, but 
I mean, there's a lot of rumors that he wants to go to um, the Sixers, and that's P.J. Tucker. I feel like P.J. Tucker would be a great fit for the Bulls, whether he's starting, coming off the bench. Again, somebody that gives you the ability to knock down some outside shots, gives you that toughness, that defense. Um, it sounds like, again, he, he's probably headed to Philly, but that, I think, would have been a great addition for this Bulls roster. Yeah, you know, if if the Bulls were a little closer to title contention, I think he'd probably take the Bulls more seriously. But like you said, I think there's some other teams, other other um, suitors out there who kind of have butted the line a little bit for, for P.J. Tucker's services. And then also, P.J. Tucker, I agree with you. He, he would bring a level of defense and toughness to the team that I, they they desperately need, but the idea of giving him three years and using the MLE on him, it, it makes me think twice. I, I don't I don't hate it. Don't get me wrong, because of everything that he could he could help shore up uh, for the Bulls moving forward, but or at least in this very next season, it, it's just every move. You know, you do something here, and now you can't do something here. You know, if that makes sense. So I just wonder what the domino effect would have been had they been able to get Tucker. You know, the, how does that affect your ability to get a a true backup big or or even more shooting on on the perimeter? No, that's a good point. And um, yeah, real quick, and not to kind of veer a little bit, but this this thing with like Philly is, is fascinating. First off, um, if the Bulls got hit for tampering with Lonzo, I, I would hope maybe that the NBA looks into this whole PJ Tucker thing. But yeah, who am I to judge? Well, um, not, not only that, but the, the Jalen Brunson. How long have you been hearing oh, about that? That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm. If, if that doesn't happen, then then I'm claiming East Coast bias. Okay, <laughs> claiming East Coast bias if that's the case, because yes, the Knicks and Jalen Brunson. That flirtation I feel like's been happening since April. Okay, so you know the Bulls got dinged for the whole Lonzo ball stuff. I would hope that the Knicks get it, the Philadelphia 76ers get it with Tucker. Um, not to be salty. This thing with Philly, though, did you see this? That, you know, earlier today, James Harden declined his option. And I think it's about like almost do like 47 million, but he declined his option. And it sounds like he's going to take less money to go back to Philly. So trying to help them kind of, you know, get a little extra relief. But um, yeah, I wonder, like, for a team like Philly, oh, like I, I don't think it necessarily helps that much, but you know, I I don't know. I've always looked at Philly and thought maybe that they're kind of fraudulent, but hey, you know what? Like right now, I think in terms of contention, they're probably slightly you know ahead of the Bulls. So I can't really talk as a Bulls fan, but. I, don't know, I just don't see the Philadelphia 76ers being a, a lockdown favorite. I, I think part of that's just, you know, health with Joel Embiid, but maybe I'm just being too harsh. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm waiting for, if it happens, I'm waiting for Jimmy Butler's tweet when they trade uh, Tobias Harris. I'm just waiting to see that tweet. Oh well, you know, <laughs> we know Jimmy's salty, so it's going to happen. <laughs> so, um, yeah, is there, I don't know, is there any other players within that, for that mid-level exception that you'd be interested in? Like, you know, we said Mo Bamba, Hartenstein, 
maybe PJ Tucker, but again, it seems like he's off the board. Is there anybody else that you think maybe is somebody that we're not talking about, or you could be like, hey, watch out for this guy? In terms of of eating up most of, if not all, of that MLE. Yeah, I got one for you, but I'm curious what you think. Yeah, okay, because I, I I haven't, I don't have any more. So let me let me hear what you got. <laughs> uh, I got a I got a sneaky player, and he's one that Bulls fans absolutely love. He just opted out of his deal in Milwaukee. What if Bobby Portis wants to come back? Now I know he's he's declining. I think roughly about. Where was he at? I think he, he, he declined a $4.5 million deal. So mid-level exception would be a raise, but, you know, he probably earned himself a contract that could get him anywhere from, like, 12 to $14 million. Um, But I don't know. I would put in a call to Bobby Portis and see if he'd be interested in coming back to Chicago. I feel like that'd be a fantastic fit in terms of all the, the needs you have for this Bulls team. Getting somebody that's defensive-minded, adds a little toughness, um, I feel like is always a walking, you know, 12, seven, and you know, two guy, two blocks a game. I feel like that's that he's that kind of guy. And I feel like he'd be a great pickup if, if you can get him, but who knows if he's still salty or, or if he'd be interested and, in, you know, maybe he wants to go back to Milwaukee or, or go to one of the other contending teams in the league, but I would love it if he, if he was interested. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. He he definitely fits a couple of needs, you know, namely, uh, you know, the size and shooting aspect of, of what's kind of ailing the Bulls right now. He's coming off a season where he had career highs in, in points and rebounds. Um, he shot 39% from three. You know, he, he did the, he did very well for himself in, a, in, in the situation that presented itself in Milwaukee with Brooke Lopez being out a lot. Um, the majority of the season and him kind of stepping in there and making the most of those minutes. But I'm hearing that he he opted out just so that he can sign like a four-year, $40 million deal with the, with, with the Bucks. So um, we'll see. But like, like you said, I would definitely put a call in and just kind of test the water a little bit. Absolutely. It doesn't hurt to ask. You never yeah, know. You never know if you can sway somebody. You know, yeah, and the Bulls, the Bulls could use an irritant. And Bobby Portis is certainly certainly that. So, <laughs> well, and and that's like that's the thing with the NBA. Like you, you think you have it figured out, and all of a sudden, there's whoops, we had some audio. Hold on, I'm gonna jump back. That's the thing with the NBA. Like you always have sometimes unexpected moves. So, you know, you think back to last year with Demar Derozan. Mark Eversley puts that call in. DeMar DeRozan's, you know, hoping to go to L.A. Lakers don't pay, and you know what? At the end of the day, he's like, nope, I'll go there. Same with Alex Caruso. Now, the Lakers were stupid, though, and Milwaukee seems like they have a little bit of a better head on their shoulders in terms of decision-making, but, um, you know, you never know. Like, there might be a way you can convince them to, to come at that, that NLE price, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing the same thing. Like, it, it's likely he's taking a, a, a longer extension, a little more money to go back to yeah. Also, kind of shifting just a little bit from the from the tier of guys who may command that MLE. Who are some of the guys you're looking at, kind of below that line? Um, 
I think for me, I would love um, to bring um, maybe uh, Rusty LaRue back. Uh, no, um, um, you know, in terms of like the the lower tier, um, you know, again, I'm I'm going to be probably accused of being a meathead, but there's part of me that's like love to bring Tosh Gibson back. I don't know. I again, I'm thinking of a lot of depth. I'm thinking of how can I make small changes around the margins. I think that would be an interesting one. If I'm looking for vet minimum value options, I like a guy like a Taj Gibson. Um, maybe to bring back and have him come off the, the bench, give you, you know, at least 12, 15 minutes a night. Um, I think another kind of guy that I might be interested in, and, you know, I, I know he's not popular with a lot of uh, folks, is... I wouldn't mind for a backup option, a guy like Hassan Whiteside. Um, and he's not, I mean, again, I know he's falling off a cliff, but I, mean, I think he still gives you value because you have to think if you're, if we're not talking sign and trade options yet, like if we're just strictly looking at who you can sign and sign with you being an over the cap team, I don't think that's a bad option, Hassan Whiteside. Am I crazy? No, no, you are not, man. And I, this, this is how I know this, this matchup, our, our mash up is, is a match made in heaven, man. Like, I'm not saying he's my first, second, or third option, but if those options, for whatever reason, are taken off the table, like they, they could do much worse than I, than Hassan Whiteside, I think. Like this, this guy put up pretty good numbers on the playoff team, and I know. There's a he he kind of comes off as a malcontent. I don't know what it is, body language. I don't know what it is, but um, you know, there's questions about his motor sometimes. But he he does what he's supposed to do. He protects the rim. He finishes at the basket, um, and he can rebound the basketball. You know, so I I think that he can fill a need. And again, we don't we don't need him to be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like the Bulls just need him exactly. to be better than what they had on the roster last year so that when they get into the playoffs, you know, they're not looking at a lineup that stops at the seventh man, you know, somebody that's just a viable, a viable backup. And I know a lot of people who listen to this may look at um, what he did in the playoffs or how he was exposed in the playoffs. But again, the jazz were not very good defensively um, mm -hmm. aside from Rudy Gobert. So I think that having, having guards or wings on a perimeter that can do a better job of staying in front of their man protects some of the weaknesses that Hassan Whiteside has. Exactly. And you said it best, like you have to look at this as if all those like other options we talked about dwindle, you don't want to pay that much. Like it's not a bad option. If you decide, you know what, I want to go spend on a sharpshooter instead. And you say, you know what, I'm going to go snatch up Hassan Whiteside, you could do a lot worse. Like he's going to give you, I think, some good, some good value coming off the bench. So yeah, I'm I already knew that like this matchup was was fine. But yes, that just confirms it if we're kind of on the same wavelength. We did not talk about that earlier. So like just having that, it, yeah, I that's 
That's why I chose you, man. That's why, you know. Like, <laughs> I, um, I appreciate that. Let me ask you a question because I saw this late last night. Mm -hmm. I know how I feel about it, obviously, but I want to get your thoughts. So there was a report that um, there's some interest, I believe, between the Bulls and Blake Griffin, or at least one way or the other. Mm -hmm. how, how do you feel about Blake Griffin and, and what the former Mr. Dunk Champion would bring to the table here in Chicago? You know, I told you last week, so I, I'm sick because I have a, a star fetish. Now, typically, I don't have a washed-up star fetish. But again, like if that's my backup, I'm not upset about it. You know, um, I want to look at his numbers too, because like I haven't, you know, it, it, it's been a minute since Blake Griffin's been like a consistent impact player. Um, but like I know last year with Brooklyn, you know, he played a decent amount of time, but you know, again, he's he's backing guys up. I mean. You know, he's doing his usual stuff. I mean, he's saying somewhat efficient um, in limited minutes. I mean, I'd be okay with it, but um, I don't know. I might try to find a little, you know, something more durable maybe and more readily available. Like, that's the only thing with Blake Griffin is yeah, he doesn't miss a lot of time. So you, you have to kind of account for that. But um, I'm always open, but... Yeah, I did see that report too come across this morning. Actually, I was when I woke up um, and I got to the video shoot for work. I'm looking like that's interesting. I didn't didn't think of that, but yeah, I'm 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 okay with it. Um, I would take I would go Whiteside over over somebody like Blake Griffin. Um, a question for well, actually, before I ask you, I mean, are you interested in somebody like a Blake Griffin? Or are you like, eh? I'm just kind of like, man. If if I'm yeah. gonna take a, a former superstar, I think I would even be more inclined to to see if um Carmelo Carmelo Anthony is is interested in correcting his wrongs from years ago. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Oh, um, one of the one of the uh, post. Uh, I'm trying to think which Bulls content creator tweeted that out. Ricky Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation. Ricky O'Donnell. Yeah. Yeah, I I was like intrigued by that because Carmelo Anthony, I mean, we've seen it the last couple of years, he's fallen into a, a really good role. And I feel like that's somebody that could give you a little pop if you want it off the bench. And then if need be, if you get injuries, that's a guy that can fill in in a pinch for you. So, um, you know, there's things defensively he's not great at, but I mean, you always know you're going to get a scoring pop from Carmelo Anthony. I, I actually think that I'd be open to that. And it writes it writes the wrong of all the times that Carmelo Anthony's flirted with coming to the Chicago Bulls. So that'd be kind of cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to make it clear that Matt and I are not – these are not our top choices. These no. Are just, these are just, you know, some things we're considering, some players we're considering that could possibly help help the Bulls. Let me let me get the rig a little bit back on the road when it comes to these. So I'll throw I'm gonna throw out um a shooter that I like. Okay, so I, we because we talk about a lot of big men. Um there's a guy I've always, always, always liked, and he was a Chicago ball on draft night, Gary Harris. Now, I might throw my MLE money at somebody like Gary Harris if he's interested. Now he's been making a good amount of money the last 
few years on his previous contract. But you're still looking at a guy who's what, 20, um, what is he, 27, 28? And, you know, still pretty efficient three-point shooter, guy that can get, easily get you anywhere from, you know, 10 to 15 points a game. I mean, sign me up if somebody like Gary Harris is the guy you give the MLE to and then, you know, fill it out with a with a center on a minimum deal. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, it's it's I'm glad you brought his name up because he's kind of at the top of my list of um potential shooters who I like to see the Bulls bring in. Um, you know, he's coming off a four year, eighty-four million dollar contract, uh some some injury bug issues, but like you said, he, he kind of resurrected himself last year. He averaged 11 points a game, shot 38% from behind the arc, which was his best since 2018. He also shot 41% on catch and shoot three. So, again, a guy who, you know, if you put him on the court with the type of uh, shot creators that the Bulls have, you know, he should be he should be money. Well, and, you know, I saw you tweet this out earlier. There's not a lot of great sharpshooting options available right now. Like, there's not a great market for it. So, you know, Harris is probably at the top of the list. I, I know Angles is there, but what is he, like 75? I feel like that guy's been, you know, he was old when he was a rookie. Um, so he's, he's been around for a while. Um, but there's not a lot of great sharpshooting options. So, like, you know, I, Otto Porter might be another one, but, you know, we, we've been down that road before. Um, so yeah, like there's just there's not a lot there. So, um, you know, they, they might have to get creative if they want to add a sharpshooter, uh, unless they, you know, if Gary Harris is willing to take mid level exception and and you're comfortable with that, um, great. But if you use it on a big, you might have to get creative to, to try to find shooters. I'm thinking maybe maybe there's a world where they can split that MLE between Gary Harris and Mo Bamba. Because I don't think, you know, kind of referencing back to Hollinger's piece, I don't think he had Mobamba making mid-level exception money. He was somewhere kind of below that. I think he had him at just over six a year. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he had him. So he had some projected yeah, about like 6.8. So. And yeah. And the other thing with the Bulls, it, you know, despite there not being, you know, a plethora of, of knockdown shooters, the Bulls are also running into an issue potentially where they got so many guards. Do you want to bring in another quote unquote three point shooting guard? You're almost in a position where you've got to kind of look at wings or um, I don't want to say centers. I guess I just, I'll stick with the wings in terms of guys you kind of want to bring in, uh, throw into that mix. That, that's why a guy like Otto Porter Jr. kind of stood out to me a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, now he's got championship, championship experience. Um, who knows if, if the Warriors are going to want to bring him back. You know, they still have to figure out what, they, what they're going to do with Kevon Looney and um, Gary yeah. Payton the second. So he could be an option. I don't know if him going from a championship team to the Bulls, who are still kind of fighting to get into that arena, what that's going to do for his motivation and drive. But well, it's, know. it's interesting, too, because, um, you know, you brought up kind of splitting it up. Um, I do wonder, like, would would Gary Harris go that low? You know, if you did a split with, like, Mo taking six, Gary Harris taking about four of that. I don't know. Like, I feel like Gary Harris might get double digits. Like, shooters are so highly valued in the NBA that I could see a team easily 
wanting to give him that 10 million. So like that, that would be the only thing. Um, you know, auto Porter is interesting. Like, again, like I, I said, we've gone down that road before, but you know, he is, he would fill the need. Like the bulls are, you brought this up. There's a glute of guards on the bulls. There's not a lot of like wings and there's not a wing that I could play at the four consistently other than like Patrick Williams. That's it. Um, so like, who is that guy? And I wonder if it's going to be done via the trade market because you know Kobe White's somebody that this regime it sounds like would like to move. Um, so I wonder if, if that could happen pretty quickly when free agency opens. If if Kobe White is moved and maybe it is to bring in somebody that that's a wing to fill that need. Yeah, that's, that's why this is so intriguing because there's different ways that this can go and kind of how we talked about this, there's a, you know, a cause and effect to everything that, that's that's going to go down in terms of, you know, you add a piece here or you trade a piece there and what that, what does that do for your subsequent moves? So I, I wonder if AK or, or Acme in general are going to kind of stick with Kobe because of what's out there or what isn't out there more specifically um, and just try to look to supplement the roster with, with bigger shooters um, or somebody that can kind of fits the mode of two of those things. Like, like we said earlier with Bobby Portis or an auto Porter jr. I know Gallinari um, who was traded in that deal from Atlanta to the Spurs, the Spurs um, are putting him on the market. So, you know, could he be a guy that you bring in? I know he's not a, a <laughs> nobody will ever con- confuse him as being a, a lockdown defender, but he is a big guy. He still can shoot. Um, he almost feels like more of like a volume score. I don't have any statistics to back that up, but like a guy that needs touches, he needs to feel the ball to, to be able to, to really contribute. So I don't know in, in terms of options there, if, if he kind of lead the list there, but, how do yeah. you feel about a Gallinari or even a guy like Patty Mills kind of looking back at the the, the shorter shooters? Um, another guy who opted out of his his contract. Do you I see mean, me? I've always been a big Patty Mills fan. I love Patty Mills. So if you can get Patty Mills, I'm, I'm all for it. I've also been a big Gallinari fan. It's not because I'm Italian. It, I mean, maybe a little bit. But I've, I've always liked – Danilo Gallinari. Like, I always feel like he he's one of those guys that he does, again, he fills a need for the Bulls. I mean, he gives you that option of, of wing depth, either at the three or the four, and a guy that can, can hit shots. Like, I feel like the Bulls, I, I'm going to keep, I probably sound like a broken record with each of these players we brought up, but I really want to see the Bulls be able to space the floor consistently. I, that's the one thing. There was no consistent threat from three. The only guy that I felt comfortable with was Lonzo Ball all year long, and it was in limited time because of the injury. So it would be nice to have that. Like, even Kobe White. Like, Kobe White's a great shooter. Well, I shouldn't say that. Let me backtrack a little bit. Solid shooter, but not consistent enough. He's streaky. And so you have to ride that roller coaster. And, you know, anybody that can bring consistent shooting from distance i'm all for it like i'm willing to do that if there's no major major impact move to be made make these moves on the margins and just improve that that area of weakness any way you can so i, I would definitely be 
be down for either one of those. But I've always loved Patty Mills. I think I would go Mills over Gallinari in that case. So you, you go Mills over who? Gall uh, Danilo Gallinari. I don't know, what would you do if you were if you were AK and Mark Eversley? What would you you think if you were presented with those two options for some reason? Oh man, I think <sighs> Gallinari or Patty Mills. Two different positions, I know, but like no, no, or the other. I think I would go Gallinari. Hmm. I think I would go Gallinari. Okay. And I, I think I'm just basing that purely off of size, man, I, to be real, to be honest with you. Well, you bring a great point. Like, there's a lot of guards on the Bulls, so it makes total sense. I, you know, because to go back to Kobe White real quick, I did see that there was a report from the L.A. Times um, where they talked about potentially the Lakers being interested in targeting Kobe White in a trade. And this is from it's uh, from Dan Wokey's piece in the L.A. Times, and he says, um, the Lakers – this is a quote, Lakers could also look to acquire players via trade with viable executives believing Chicago's Kobe White could be a target. Moving Taylor Horton Tucker, a player whose ball dominant skills are viewed by rival scouts as being redundant with Lakers stars, could be a way to upgrade to suit the Lakers needs. So that's kind of interesting. Now I wonder, would that be, you know, a package that would Horton Tucker be coming back to the Bulls, or would he be moved in a separate deal, or would another team get involved? I kind of wonder, you know, how that would work, or if that would be somebody the Bulls would be interested in. But um, I thought that was interesting, like Kobe White on the Lakers. I mean, he he should get a lot of wide open shots if, if that were to happen. I hadn't heard that before. That's 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 news to me. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, I kind of wonder what other parties would be involved. Um, I don't know, man. I'm kind of down on THT right now. Yeah. I've Well, and also, I don't think – so I'm an Illini fan, and I remember Taylor Horton Tucker was interested in going to Illinois, but when Io DeSumo committed, he backed out because they have, like, a little rivalry together. Like, so I wonder if – I don't know. That might not go well with, with Io and and – Horton Tucker on the Bulls, but yeah, there was a little, uh, a little, you know, riff with Io coming to Illinois, and that's what made Horton Tucker pull out. At least that was what was rumored back in the day. But well, back in the day, being a few years ago. But I'm I didn't here. know that either. I didn't know that either. Interesting. Yeah. Um. So as we kind of, you know, wind down our discussion here, I, I do want to get to maybe a little more of my favorite eye in the sky type scenarios. Um. Okay, so we know that, like, the most realistic move the Bulls can make are within the margins of the MLE. But, look, we know with AK, expect the unexpected. And with the way the league is right now, a lot of teams are operating over the cap. So trades are probably going to fly around. Do you think there's a move that could be made, like, that – you could see being completely floored and saying, wow, they made that move. Is there one that you could see them doing? I got to be honest with you. There isn't one that I can see, but I wouldn't be surprised if Acme made something happen, kind of something out of nothing like he has been known to do. So 
yeah, I don't, I don't, I, and it, it's been so kind of quiet. Yeah. In terms of um, something that we can actually throw and have it stick on the wall in terms of what, what the Bulls are, are thinking or what they're going to do. So yeah. it almost feels like something's coming around the corner. Do, do you have something in mind? Well, I always, I want to address that one point you made about you feel like something's coming around the corner. That's how I always feel with like the draft, free agency, trade deadline. Like I always feel like, okay, what are they going to do? They're doing something. They're, they're in the shadows coming up with something. Um, something in mind, I feel like just there's so many different players that are being speculated in trades. So I'll, I'll throw some out that have been reported. Um, I know I, we, you know, Drew and I were texting back and forth today of just like a couple of reports here and there. And um, what well, we, we saw John Collins was one. I like John Collins, very interesting player that, that could be added to the Bulls. I don't know if I'd give up major assets to get him. Like I like him, but to me, is that the, the major impact move that I would be willing to kind of part with different pieces that I can use and maybe a more impactful trade down the road? Uh, I don't know. I don't think I would, but I thought that was interesting. I mean, are, are you a John Collins fan? How do you feel about maybe a potential move there? I'm a fan of John Collins. My my thing is, who on the Bulls roster would Atlanta be interested in? That's what I was trying I mean, to understand. That's what I was trying to understand too. Like, I, I just I just don't see I don't see the Bulls or Atlanta like the best deal they can do is something that the Bulls will be able to give. I just I can't see that. And then also, Collins is is kind of he is what. Patrick Williams is supposed to be sort of, isn't he? Kind of. Well, that, exactly. So, like, <laughs> I, that's why I would kind of laugh if they're interested in Patrick Williams. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You just want the raw version of it? Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, unless they see more upside with him, I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, that one kind of threw me for a loop. Like, I, I've heard that one before kind of rumbling about John Collins. But then today, I think it was, uh, I think it was a, a Jake Fisher report that had mentioned it um or no that was a that was an action sports one i think that was matt moore um who who threw that one out there um you know a a couple other ones like you know we we talked last week about rudy gobert with with that move like that one seems to have died down Mm -hmm. a lot since last week um i know i've mentioned i'm kind of open to that idea um i don't think he's an albatross contract like everyone thinks he is I feel like in today's NBA, you can move those contracts. I mean, the money's flying around like crazy. And I think, you know, you could find a way to find a partner and, and get rid of that deal down the road if it did fail. But I don't know. I'd be open to adding a, a top 15 player in the league and defensive player of the year candidate. So I'd be open to a Rudy Gobert. Um, I know you you were kind of like on the fence more saying, eh, I'd rather stand pat. Yeah, I, I was going back and forth. I think I'm more in the mindset of trying to find somebody who can approximate some of the things that Rudy does defensively yeah. um, for less money that would allow the Bulls to to finish kind of uh, fleshing out their roster. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm sitting on the Rudy Gobert train right now. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know – 
guess my thinking behind that is, you know, you, you could probably make some upgrades around the margins with min, you know, minimum guys. But then they tried to do that last year and you kind of saw it came back to bite them a little bit. So I, again, I kind of, I would do it because, you know, I think it also sends a message to the league. The Bulls are willing to spend and they're willing to go over the luxury tax, which they don't like to do. So I think there could be a good PR move to be made even with that. Um, but that's where I have my hang up too, is what do you do to fill out the rest of the roster? Um, I'm, I'm more in the mindset of go big and then worry about it later, but it could come back to bite you. Absolutely. Yeah. And then it, there's also the question of how, how would things look, um, in the half court offensively. You yeah. Know, how does how do Gobert and and Demar look <laughs> on the court together in crunch time? You know, it's interesting because Chip brought up a great point last week when we were talking about this with you know all the draft stuff, and um, I get his point. Like it makes perfect sense, but I also feel like there's almost a redundancy even with Booch and DeMar DeRozan. Like, I feel like they operate almost in the same part of the court. Booch can spread out and shoot threes, but if he's not hitting them, then you really need him then to operate either at the rim or about 15 feet out. And I feel like sometimes DeMar takes that almost away from him. So, like, there is redundancy that's happening even there and issues that you have in your half-court offense with Booch still on the roster. So it's never perfect. And I think that's the point I was trying to make last week. Like, you're never going to have that perfect scenario. So, you know, you find ways, I think, by staggering lineups to make it work. But then again, great point, if you have that much money on your roster, what do you do to kind of supplement all that other stuff? Yeah, I mean, like you said, you could, you could, you would have to then – you know, dish out a whole lot of vet men's, which if if you're top five or six, seven-ish, depending on how much you had to give up, um, if you still got a pretty good solid six or seven players, you're, you're still pretty decent. You, you probably need at least two more um, guys who can really contribute in a meaningful way. And maybe you can find that with, with – um, that men's or not, um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But to kind of push back a little bit on what you said, just a little bit, I yeah. think you're, you're right in terms of, I think Billy Donovan, he wanted the team to make a more conscious effort to give Vooch touches in the post. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they always um, <laughs> kind of listened to him on that or executed in the way that he wanted them to, but even with Vucevic shooting the way he did from three, he was still a threat. And while he and DeMar sometimes can operate in that same zone, the threat of him shooting off the pick and, off the pick and pop still gives DeMar some space to operate. Whereas if you throw Gobert out there, nobody's guarding him, you know, free throw lining up or restricted area up for that matter. And now that's a great point. And the only way that you can overcome it is if you have other people that or outside that can knock down open shots. And so that's, again, it kind of, it's like, what do you do first, right? Like you want to get great rim protection. 
So you go after somebody like Rudy Gobert, okay, now how do you solve that other efficiency then? Like that's where the, the shooting starts to become a problem too. So yeah, it's, that's what makes this so difficult in the NBA sometimes, right? Like you think you can figure it out with, with superstars, but you do have to build stuff around the margins all the time. Um, yeah. I want to throw one last thing to you, okay? Because what's going on in Brooklyn is very fascinating, okay? With, with Kyrie Irving, because he opts in, which, I mean, if he's smart, I mean, sometimes I question it, but I think he got this right by opting in. Um, there's still a chance he could get moved. Like, there's still talk that, you know, the Nets are maybe open to the idea of, of moving him. And then that kind of opens the whole um, discussion about Kevin Durant. So do you think there's a possibility Kevin Durant could end up getting moved? I'll ask that question first. Do you think that it could happen if, in fact, Kyrie Irving does also get done? I think it can just because of how Durant's decision to come to Brooklyn was tied into Kyrie's decision to do the same. So barring the manner in which Kyrie would leave Brooklyn, I think that Durant would have his eyes on a few locations to, to kind of move his talents to. So I think, yeah, I, I think there would be a chance for sure. I like the way that you kind of ended that. There's places you have his eyes on. Now, one, everybody brings up is Miami. But I really feel like, why not Chicago? Like, why not? I'm just saying, like, I get it. What do they have to give? What does Miami have to give? A lot of these teams are strapped in terms of their draft capital. And they have kind of the same issues where they have guys maybe that are okay role players, but not guys you would necessarily park with in a major trade for a star. So you have to get creative. Um, I feel like there's there's some interesting pieces on the Bulls. Like you have the Vooch contract. You have Patrick Williams, who, as Chip said last week, Chip Jones, I'd punt, you know, Williams off a bridge to get Kevin Durant. I think I would too. So if you do that, plus, you know, I, I'm trying to remember. So based on the Stepien rule, I believe they can move Portland's pick because that now becomes a desired asset because Portland, you know, makes the um, trade for Jeremy Grant. If they make the playoffs, it becomes a first-round pick. And, you know, that's it's becoming intriguing. You know, it becomes a, an asset that you could use. So. I just wonder, like, why not the Bulls? Am I crazy or? No, 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 no. I mean, and Durant has definitely shown how much he loves what Chicago has cooking over here. And obviously he was a teammate of Zach Levine's uh, on the um, U.S. Olympic team. One interesting point is I don't think Durant has a no trade clause in his contract. So I wonder if if this situation were to happen, would the Nets do solely what's best for them or would they try to help Durant a little bit in terms of getting to a, a destination he actually wanted to, to play in? Well, 
That's, it's an interesting question there. Um, I mean, you would think a team would just do, hey, what's, what's best for us to improve? But in today's NBA, you do that, it's almost suicide for your franchise because it's almost like, it, you know, there's no, no trade clause, but it exists. Like there's sort of an understanding, you know, usually with superstars. So I feel like they'd have to acquiesce a little bit and if he's only like, I'm going to Chicago, um, they're going to have to, you know, the best deal that they can do. And honestly, like, I don't think that would be a terrible package. I think you could put together something like the only other teams that could, could make a trade that has a boatload of picks. I mean, we're looking at teams like New Orleans, um, Detroit, maybe um, uh, well, Oklahoma City. I mean, they own every draft pick around the whole freaking NBA. Um, so, you know, it, it's a limited pool, but is somebody like Kevin Durant going to want to go to those teams? I don't think, you know, that's, it wouldn't make sense. Um, maybe New Orleans, but I don't know. Like, does the, does a big three of KD, uh, CJ McCollum and Zion Williamson, is that going to contend? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know about that either. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking in my head on the fly about, like you said, who the Bulls have to give up. And when we have to kind of take into consideration, consideration the window of, of time we're talking about. So I think KD has, what, three years left on his deal? Or four, is it four years left? Might be four years. Yeah. So DeMar has two two years left. Pat's getting ready to come up on, you know, an extension, uh, extension eligible summer. You know, would the Nets want Pat? Would they want Zach, possibly? And then almost kind of looking back at the situation we had some years ago with, with Kobe Bryant and him uh, trying to make his way to Chicago only if the Bulls kept or ha- uh, held on to Luau Dang. But that's yep. the player who L.A. wanted. So I wonder if we would run into a similar kind of roadblock there. I think you would. I feel like Kevin Durant's coming here to play with Zach, you know, Jamar. And I like you're gonna have to make that work where you can keep him. And like it, it, it wouldn't. I don't think that deal would happen because I, I feel like Kevin Durant would be like, no, okay, and I'm not going. I think it would totally be like that that Kobe situation. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you're you're rooting for all hell to break loose again in Brooklyn and for Kyrie to fly off the handle so that Durant has <laughs> every um every right to try to ask out. Think about this. To me, um, the probably the one and one A in the Eastern Conference is Giannis and KD, and you could switch between both. You know, because those are the top players in the Eastern Conference right now. The balance would shift immediately. You would be a contender. You would be one of the title favorites. You'd be the Eastern Conference favorite, or one of them. Um, and honestly, I would argue, and I know he's older, but I would argue that Durant right now is slightly ahead of Giannis because I look at the, his ability to score anywhere on the floor. Good free throw shooter, good three-point shooter, you know, can make buckets anywhere. And Giannis still has some of that limitation. Better defender, um, and that, that accounts for something. Like, I don't want to, you know, discount defense, but... You know, free throw shooting is inconsistent. Three-point shooting's, you know, not great. Um, 
So I would still argue that Katie's there. Um, now, you know, we were talking about his contract. So he has um, four more years left on it. Okay, so he's 34, and at the end of that contract, he'll be 37, making $53 million in that last year. But that's just Kevin Durant. This is one of the greatest to ever step on a basketball court in league history. So I'd be willing to do that. I think I'd be I'd be ready. Like I love chaos too. I love NBA chaos. And if it involves my team creating the chaos, sign me the fuck up, Drew. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. I mean, I don't know. It, it's probably not going to happen. I can. Agree. I mean, you never. I mean, we're, we're talking about Kyrie Irving, so and and yeah. how his volatility might affect Durant or just the Nets in general. We've already we've already seen it lead to James Harden when the one in the skip town. So I mean, is you can't really say with any certainty that that situation is is stable. Like it, it definitely isn't. So there's a world where your dream scenario could come true for sure. And I would love it. Um. Let's put a bow on this, Drew. So, um, final thoughts, prediction. What do you think is going to happen as free agency kicks off? My dream scenario is, I think, the Bulls somehow finding a way to split that MLE between Mo Bamba and Gary Harris and bringing JaVale McGee in on a vet man. Okay. That would be kind of cool. I like that. See, if you're going to like hold out maybe and kind of evaluate what you have on your roster and then kind of look at what kind of upgrades you can make in 2023, that's it's not a bad idea. Like kind of looking at, okay, before Booch's contract comes off the books, let's let's run this back and bring really highly productive role players. I think I think I'd be happy with something like that. Okay. Now what what do you want to happen or what do you see happening? Well, okay, I want the chaos to Katie. <laughs> but if I can't get Katie, I think I would be I mean, I like your scenario of splitting. I just I don't know if it's realistic just because of what Harris could command. Um because you know he's still younger. I mean, he's only gonna I think he's gonna turn twenty-eight when the season is in progress. So I mean for me, I I would love them to lock up Obama on the mid-level exception and then maybe try to find um, you know, maybe uh, somebody at the minimum for three-point shooting. You know what? Actually, now I'm going to flip it. I'm okay if they give Gary Harris the mid-level exception. I think some Bulls fans might be pissed, but I'm, I'd be happy with that. And then go get Hassan Whiteside at a low value play. But you know, what do I know? I'm just, I'm just a guy talking Bulls. <laughs> no, you're not. You're, you're a guy that is so dedicated that you are doing this podcast miles away that's when true you, when you didn't have to because that is that is how dedicated you are and that that is that that is you man that is you man you yeah. are not just the guy well i appreciate that drew and you know what you're dedicated for for making the time doing a little earlier than we usually do so this is fun i'm i'm looking forward to some of these episodes coming out of free agency because i'm sure we're gonna have a lot to react to um for all of it, you know, follow the Rebuildable channel at Rebuild underscore A underscore Bowl. Follow Drew at Look What Drew Did, which is one of my, that's a great Twitter handle. Um, and then follow me at the boring Twitter handle at MGenteel88. 
we'll be reacting to all the things happening around the league with the Chicago Bulls going into the free agency period. So for Drew Stevens, I'm Matt Gentile. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.